So I said, hey, the less you delegate sometimes, the better the experience is going to be. Just take one or two things, get them delegated, get it working to the point that the VA needs little or none of your time to do their task, and then delegate the next batch of stuff and the next batch of stuff. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Bijal. Bijal, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So give us a 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. 5,000 feet. I'm going to take you about 30,000 okay, feet. feet. 10 feet. To, let's I go actually, 10 feet. I just want to fly feet. high today. Let's just, <laughs> let's just fly high. <laughs> um, very simply, uh, since 2009, I have been in the virtual assistant outsour- uh, outsourcing space predominantly working with solopreneurs, micropreneurs, uh, professionals, and the kind of the, the small end of small businesses. So teams from, you know, kind of one to five people teams that are looking to scale, looking to kind of keep their costs relatively low. But really our kind of speciality is that often, you know, speakers, coaches, consultants, and, you know, the solopreneur entrepreneur that knows they need to delegate, but just not sure how and where and, and what. Awesome. And we will totally get into that. But before we do, how did you get started in outsourcing as a thing? Uh, in 2009, I was having one of those rough years entrepreneur. I'm not sure if any other entrepreneurs out there have had a rough year. Um, maybe it's just me. Um, but it was, one of, it was one of those years, uh, Michelle. And uh, the tale, a lot of lot of went back to, um, <clears throat> had one of those dark nights of the soul kind of moments back in February of 2000. Uh, it's actually 2009, I apologize, um, where just nothing I'd done was really working out as an entrepreneur. You know, just like, God damn it. It's one of those like just frustrating moments. And um, it got as bad as like, would my life insurance policy be the only way to achieve success? Uh, not in this lifetime, but the next lifetime. Anyway, that obviously, you know, that's another story for another day. But after that, did a lot of personal transformation work. Um, and fast forward to September, I was going to ask myself, okay, what do I do next? What, what, what's life look like next? And I kind of recognized a lot of entrepreneurs were, were really the time getting stretched i think tim ferris's book is just really kind of starting to make the impact in terms of delegation so i said well being indian you know why not get into the outsourcing space right but i actually ended up working with a team of filipinos um three girls in the philippines and we started doing social media long story short went to my very first event and i had my new business cards new website i was gonna you know work the room and get a whole bunch of leads and the very first speaker on stage was also in the outsourcing business and I'm like looking up going, oh, why me? One of the why me moments where, you know, this is my room, my leads, don't steal them. But at the end of his talk, I went up to him and said, look, obviously you've been doing this for a while. You've got a team of 100 uh, VAs. Maybe you can teach me a thing or two. Long story short, six weeks later, we're both working together. I worked with that gentleman for over 10 years. And that, that was a call center model um, that started servicing, you know, what, what I'd call the kind of solopreneur or the small micro business space. So uh, in 2019, um, I decided to uh, do it a different way because the call centers come with a big overhead that they have to pass on to the to the end user. And I said, there has to be a way of working with home-based VAs, but still give them the support and that they might get both the client side and the VA side um, that an agency would normally provide. So we started doing that at the end of 2019, really January of 2020, perfect time to start a new business um, if we will kind of go back two years. Uh, but we grew month upon month during that, 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 whole, that whole time period because the model started working so great. So that's my uh, uh, origin story in a nutshell. Nice. I love it. Well, and 
And ironically, it was a great time for you to start a virtual assistant business because everybody started needing a virtual assistant, exactly, yeah, whether they knew it three weeks before that or not. Exactly. <laughs> nice. So what do you find are some of the mistakes that people make when they're looking at um, getting help? Let's just back okay. up the bus a so little this, bit before they're even looking at a VA. Just, sure, sure. And I just want to, so this is a three-hour interview, right? Because <laughs> exactly. you just asked a loaded question. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, before we go into the mistakes, we've got to start understanding the different types of outsourcing so I can put this in context. There's project-based outsourcing, which are websites, funnels, logos. Start point, end point is done. They move on. Then there's process-based outsources. Processes are what I call the morbid parts of the business. The morbid is an acronym, which stands for the mundane, the overwhelming, the repetitive, the boring, the I don't want to, and the dislike things that have to get done in a business. And most entrepreneurs hate that kind of work. I love that, that acronym. <laughs> because <laughs> they hate that kind of work, they typically don't have processes that that define how that work should be done. It's more as they they entrepreneurs tend to know enough about that process in their head that they're able to fumble their way through it when needed, you know, when desperately needed. But generally, they'll just avoid doing it in, in most cases. Now, parts is the other part of the acronym. The processes, activities, responsibilities, the tasks, and the software that most entrepreneurs have spent a fortune buying and very little time using. I think, you know, we could all sit there and make an, a little uh, menu of the software we've, we've bought over time, some of the courses we've bought over time, and not actually open the box, uh, as, as we say, right? So we've got project-based outsourcing and process-based outsourcing. Projects are easy because we hire typically a specialist to execute on a project, given the criteria we have. Processes, however, is what I call makes the money. Projects cost entrepreneurs money. Processes make entrepreneurs money, right? The right processes. Where I see a lot of entrepreneurs struggle is because they don't have these processes defined. They have a, they struggle to delegate these processes. And thus, um, this is where I, I focus most of my time. So going back to your question, where do I see people making kind of errors in this? The very first thing is that they don't clearly know what the processes are that run their business. They're not sure how to delegate those processes. Um, and, and thus, this work that they hate doing either is not being done or they're doing it and hating doing it, which sucks the life out of them. Um, but that's kind of where we focus our, our attention. Nice. I love that. So how did they start to wrap their head around that? Is there, like, is there things they have to do before they meet with you or is it because they're meeting with you that they start to get. There, there is a couple of ways. And sometimes just someone asking them, Hey, what's what they say, okay, I want to, I want to delegate this. Great. Hey, can you, can you break it down into steps? It's okay. If it's not a perfect step-by-step, step, as long as they can get extrapolate some of the, the steps on, on the, on a, onto a Google document, we can work with that. Typically speaking, a, a good VA and the VAs we typically work with have three to five years experience, if not more, but they can sit with a half-assed process and, and actually fill in the gaps. So the VAs can actually fill out the rest of the gaps as long as they have a starting point of what this entrepreneur is kind of looking for. Often we will do a screen recording. I'll say, hey, look, next time you, you do that thing, just, re just record your screen. We can often create the process based on that. The VA can then look at the recording and break it out because that's the, the VA... The better our instructions, the better the VA is going to perform and the longer that VA is going to stay in a job. So it, it's their benefit to help the client kind of create that process. Well, and I find it immensely helpful when somebody has the experience to know, 
you know, typically when somebody does this, this is what they're looking to do. Is that what you're looking to <laughs> Like those kind of questions help because the entrepreneur themselves don't have enough experience to know what somebody else typically does. Yeah. And, and then we have, um, so we have VAs kind of execute on the, on the processes, but we have some very high level VAs that would actually sit with a, with a, you know, with a client if needed and actually document the process far more detail, especially if it's a complex project, create flow charts, if there's multiple, you know, variations and options. So we can take it up to that level when, when required. Nice. I love that. So what are some of the things that would typically get handed over to, to their VAs? Um, the question is what what you cannot hand over. That's the shorter list. So the shorter <laughs> list is is your thinking, right? Um, but even that, really, um, we're at a point where you can hire experts to do thinking for you. You know, if you just want to kind of take a back seat. But but let's let's talk practical stuff. Um, LinkedIn outreach, mm-hmm. um, social media, um, from content creation to social media engagement, managing the DMs. You know, now we've got you know DMs coming in from all different uh, you know channels and platforms from LinkedIn to Instagram to Facebook, you know, wherever your conversation is happening, you know, email, chat support, whatever, there's someone to manage all of that. Um, something, you know, people say, hey, Bijal, what's some of the, the, the key things to delegate? The follow-up, right? I see a lot of entrepreneurs going to networking meetings, either in person or online with little or no follow-up. Um, if you're lucky, you'll get one email and then you never hear from that person again. So what I call the sales CRM process, that pipeline can be managed by a VA <clears throat> uh, far better than most of us because, again, most entrepreneurs will, will resist using the software that needs to manage this kind of data. Um, admin, billing, um, just you know, research. Um, we've got VAs working in the real estate business. We've got VAs working in the appraisal business, home inspection business. There's literally, you know, we can go, we can take any industry and find dozens of dozens of tasks that can be delegated, specialized tasks, or we can go kind of just generic kind of um, stuff that we're all doing in, in our business. So the, today, literally, I mean, every aspect of our business can be delegated. But where we, what I always tell clients is because we want to delegate everything, but once we come to a realization that we should be delegating everything, the key thing is try not to delegate everything at the same time because the, the, because there is often a feedback loop. So you delegate something, they do the work, and now you have to check or there's some action on the part of the entrepreneur. That's often where the on the outsourcing breaks down. It's not the VA part. It's the part that the client has to play in the delegation. So when you try and delegate too many things, you've got a lot of uh, feedback loops. And now you feel overwhelmed because you delegate all this work out. And now these people are waiting on you to check something or check the if this post is the correct post or the graphics is the right graphics or whatever. And most entrepreneurs, because you've delegated this stuff off your plate, it doesn't mean necessarily that you've got a lot more time. You, we tend to kind of fill our plate up with a, with a bunch more stuff. So now <laughs> it can feel a little bit overwhelming in the first you know, month or couple of months when we start this whole delegation exercise. Um, but it's like it's like doing home organizing. If anyone's ever done home organizing, before you get your home organized, you've got to pull out all the stuff out. And now it feels like you're in a kind of a bit of chaos. So there is this, so I say, hey, the less you delegate sometimes, the better the experience is going to be. Just take one or two things, get them delegated, get it working to the point that the VA needs little or none of your time to do their task and then delegate the next batch of stuff and the next batch of stuff. Love that. So you're saying that your, I guess your ideal client is the speakers, authors, coaches. Is that, is there a reason for that in the work that they do or 
Is it just kind of your favorite? Um, I wouldn't say ideal clients. I mean, they, they probably represent 50% of my client base. Um, you know, I have some, one of my largest clients is a coaching company that has 50 employees. You know, my VAs for that company just handle predominantly customer support, but also the coaching support. So they work with the coaches uh, in terms of making sure that communication is updated. Um, they, they track the, the clients that making sure the clients are doing their homework on time, you know, so they, they, they work within a, software platform supporting the coaches uh, but we also from that company they're managing predominantly you know um 80 of the customer support uh, with a manager in, in the uk um so the reason i mentioned that though they they speakers coaches authors they still tend to operate almost like a solopreneur type entity right even most business coaches don't actually have a business they they, they really are a solopreneur um that they are provide business coaching so in that case we we become the business part of their of their business coaching, um, but but yeah, we we have clients in in all different in all different industries. Nice, love it. So, give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. A Cinderella story? No, I'm not being asked for a Cinderella story. So, um, <laughs> let me let me think. Well, I, I'm going to use the UK client. Um, okay. So, once upon a time, uh, before I, I uh, they came across me, um, they had a. I believe it was a 16 hour, eight to 16 hours before tickets got responded to. Uh, approval ratings were, were pretty kind of down in the, the, the 60s and 70s. Uh, the team came in, um, they, we got the response rate down to under an hour, uh, between an hour and 90 minutes uh, for first time ticket response. And approval ratings now range between 97% a week to 100% a week. Nice. Um, on, on customer support. So, you know, a very clear indication of VA stepping in. Um, on the other end spectrum with this more of the solopreneurs, um, again, that's kind of a LinkedIn story where they, they knew they should be on LinkedIn, um, but just could not keep it consistent because of all the other demands. VA came in, created a consistent uh, lead flow. And now, I mean, I, I, I have on this side of my computer, so I have a triple screen here. So I monitor the conversations be between clients and the VAs for the first 30 to 60 days to make sure that onboarding goes smooth. And I can see the leads coming in and the clients and the, the VAs kind of just high-fiving each other, you know, and so it, it's so good, good to see that. So that's one of the things that we do is like, just because, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm based here in Las Vegas, um, but we run a virtual culture. So even though all our VAs are home-based um, behind the scenes, we run it like a company and uh, the VAs meet every 90 days in person, <clears throat> uh, my birthday, Christmas, and a couple of times, other times uh, during the year. So they still get that team bonding experience. They feel part of a culture. What it really means for the client, though, is that there's a high level of trust, that these VAs are not cold recruited. Um, when, I, when I started this company, uh, 10 of the senior members of the team, the company that I used to work with, at either left, right before or after me, came and worked with me. And they were the ones who referred the first batch of VAs into the company. And that culture is going to stay. So almost everybody who works with us uh, from a virtual assistant perspective um, have been connected to us by another virtual assistant, which means that we don't have these issues of VAs disappearing or ghosting, um, or there's another phenomenon that happens where you might hire a VA, their profile looks good, but they're they're outsourcing the work to a lower level VA or a student VA for, for a lot less. So all of these things happen. So that high level of integrity, that trust, that respect um, is what we kind of built this new model on. I love that. And talk to me about how important one that is. So how important is it to, um, I guess, your clients that your team has that cohesiveness? 
I didn't know it when I started this. It wasn't, it wasn't intentional. So I have to be very honest. Like when I started this, um, I was starting from scratch literally in building this company. And so what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to carry the burden of paying my VAs on time, which which I which is, I believe is so, so important. So if you're working with a VA, the number one thing you can do is pay them on time, right? They don't they don't build in a lot of buffer. So they're many times living living paycheck to paycheck um, and supporting the whole family. So that family depends on that VA getting paid. So when we delay payment, it impacts the whole family. So the first thing I want to do is make sure that I always pay my VAs on time. Now, on the other side, I've got clients. Now, things happen. Clients can, you know, sometimes they they delay payment, they they forget. Um, and I didn't want to be in the business of chasing the clients for money. So I said, well, I don't want to carry the, the payroll. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow the clients to pay the VAs directly. Everyone told me I was crazy. Like, you know, you lose control of the clients, they'll circumvent you. I said, yeah, but I believe if I do it in the right way, it's going to work well for everybody. So this is what happened. So the pricing model evolved out of necessity, but ended up being our biggest winner in a way. So we charge a, a small setup fee, a nominal setup fee in the very beginning. Um, but then I charge my clients a, a flat rate, almost like a membership fee. And that allows to continue to provide the ongoing support, not so much for the client, even though that's there. I mean, the, the supports were there, but really for the VAs on the back end, that's really where the support comes in. So we take that nominal fee, that allows us to provide the management, the counseling, you know, the problem solving and the background, the VAs are all in Slack channels and Skype channels where when they get stuck, they ask each other for help. So the fees that we charge a client allows us to support the VAs who support each other to be the best version and solve, and solve problems very quickly. Someone has an issue getting into LinkedIn, they put in a Skype channel, someone has an answer, it gets resolved. Invisible to the client, but clients will say, well, you know, why do I, you know, need to pay the, the monthly fee? I said, well, think of it this way. You're paying a very nominal fee and it starts at 49 bucks a month. But 49 bucks a month, we do not take the any cut from what the client pays the VA. But I'll get onto that because that's very important too. Um, and this has worked out to be literally magical um, because what it does is it's we have a fully transparent model. The clients know exactly what they're paying. They know exactly how much the VAs are making. Um, the client doesn't feel like we're adding a huge buffer uh, on top of the hourly wage. So really, our clients are paying the least amount possible in the industry. But our VAs, ironically, are getting paid you know, more than most of their counterparts. So we've created this kind of uh, this, this unique model in the industry. But the other thing it does is that if you ever look, if you have VAs who work in, they say, a call center, after a while, they, they, they will figure out that I'm getting paid often $2.50, $3 per hour. The client's charging, sorry. The, the company is charging $10, $15, $17 per hour for their labor. And that kind of creates the descent in, 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 in the work. It's like, wow, I'm, you know, why am I getting paid so little? Now, of course, you can, you, you know, companies will say, well, we've got overheads and blah, blah, blah. But this is just natural. On the other hand, clients will also say, well, why am I paying $12 per hour for a $3 per hour VA or a $5 per hour VA? And they'll then try to circumvent. So this circumvention is very common. I've never had in two years a client try to circumvent us and go and try and work with the with the with the VA directly. So we're pretty proud of what we accidentally created, but worked so well. Nice, I love that. So, talk to me also about this: the idea of responding to DMs that come in through social media, especially when people are trying to create pages and groups online. How important is that response time, and that there's somebody there to connect? Yeah, you know, for me, it's it's. 
I'll put it in this context. I don't know if you have kids, Michelle, um, but I don't know if you ever sent a, a text to your kid and they don't respond. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. And, and it's been all two of days three later. Minutes. It's been all of three minutes, right? Um, and then, and then, then didn't you have to send them a, a, a you know, a knock on the door? I said, uh, "Did you get my text?" And they're like, "What text?" Anyway, what I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm you know, but the thing is, we we live in a we live in an immediate response culture, right? Where if we don't, if we don't, if we don't respond, or someone doesn't respond to us we almost have this knee-jerk emotional reaction to we're being ignored. It's not true all the time, but it it happens. So it's been, you know, I mean, people's phone will buzz. You'd be, in a, you'd be having a, you know, a, a dinner with friends and we cannot help but but glance down at, at what just happened to my phone, right? So when we delay, and I don't know what the statistics are in terms of how many minutes and, you know, the effectiveness, whatever, but the more we delay a response, the 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 less engagement we, we, we will have in, in with, with that person. So I'm not saying it has to be immediate. What I'm saying is that, you know, within the day or at least by the following morning, given the times and everything else, but that person is expecting a, a response or engagement. So, um, you know, sometimes it's a comment. So one of the things that we do is people, you know, people post on social media, there'll be comments in the thread. Well, that's a, in some ways, it could be a lead, right? If, you, if, you're, if your post is business related and someone has shown interest in that post or has a comment about that post, you could to that you could take that conversation into the DM and from that DM turn it into a, a, an appointment if if done correctly. But if you if you leave that, the longer you leave it, the less effective your DM or your engagement is going to be with that individual. So, and again, I do my best to stay off social media so my VAs you know manage it. But I will respond to messages you know um, uh, usually after the first or second engagement. So the first or second engagements are typically with the VAs. But then I typically will take over the, the conversation when I know that it's it's the best use of my time. Awesome. And do we eventually get into the space where it's uh, my VA is talking to your VA <laughs> creating this it, deal? It, it could be. I, I've, I've had it where, you know, where, um, you know, where, where I mean, I, I definitely could tell when I, I was talking to someone else, someone else's VA. I knew, I knew it wasn't that person. <laughs> That's hilarious. We live in a crazy epic world. That's awesome. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, Bijal, I need you so badly. Oh, overwhelm is usually the first, the first thing. Like people just don't know where to start. Something. They know they want, they, they, you know, I, I don't, if, if we're still at this point trying to convince people they should be doing it, it's, this is the wrong conversation. It's like, you know, just this, it's, we got to delegate. I, you know, um, I call it delegate or drown. Like it, there's just too many things that uh, are grabbing at our attention to attempt to do it without support. So we have to delegate, right? Whether it's, you know, um, hiring somebody in the US, wherever, we have to delegate if you want to grow any kind of form of a business. In fact, it's not a business if you don't delegate. It's, it's just, you just give yourself a job, right? Let's just call it what it is. If, you're, if, you're, if you say you're in business and you, 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 you are a one-man person, you're basically giving yourself a, a job. And often, if you're doing things that can be done for five bucks per hour, then you're in a very low-paid job. Right. So if you, that's kind of what it is, is that if, you, if you're paying yourself, um, you know, if you can pay somebody else five bucks an hour and you're doing the work, then you're doing that work for five bucks an hour. Right. So so we have to delegate. Um, the first thing is what I do is just start off with a massive delegation list. I, I call it good as gold, which is really to clarify what is it? What's the best use of your time? And um, so I call it the goals like an acronym. What are you good at? What are you OK at? What do you like doing? And what do you dislike doing? In fact, there's a free guide um, for someone to kind of walk them through this process. If you go to uh, beepicoutsourcing.com, you can download the free guide. This is one of the exercises 
that I take people do to go from big picture down to what the actual prioritized list is going to be. But from that big list, then you, you to identify, okay, what do you need most? Do you need to get more time back or do you need kind of more lead gen? So it's usually in one of these two buckets where it's more about if I can get stuff off my plate, I can do more of the lead gen stuff or I need help with more of the lead gen stuff, especially if it's like LinkedIn and social media engagement and that kind of stuff. So great. Like out of the, the many things we could be doing, let's pick three or four that we can start with. And then based on that, that becomes the, the starting point. So once you've got the starting point, then you can develop the processes for those three or four things. And then we can find you know a VA who's got experience with those three, four things. And that's the starting point. I love it. So beepic.com, of course, we'll have all your links in the show notes. So just scroll down and find those. Or of course, oh, yeah. go to Beepic Castle. There there you go. <laughs> <laughs> or go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Look for Michelle or Beepic or outsourcing. You will find him, I promise. And you can find all those links. Awesome. So I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Right after college, right? Um, so graduated in 1992, um, a friend came knocking on my door and said, hey, I want to introduce you to, to, to a friend of mine. Um, we're part of a multi-million uh, dollar uh, company. I can't remember if it was a million or billion at the time. Um, and we, we sell air filters. And, and we're launching a new product called uh, Juice Plus. So this is back in 1992. So my entry point was network marketing, right? And um, they put in the, one of those video cassettes. That's one of those plastic things about this big. I don't know if people remember. Um, yeah. They put it in this machine that gobbled it up. And um, I watched this video and I saw speedboats and private jets and mansions. And I said, that kind of looks okay. I could, I could, I could handle that kind of lifestyle. So that was my um, buying into the dream, Michelle. <laughs> so let's just say it didn't quite go the way the video made it out, uh, <laughs> but it was my entry point into entrepreneurship. Um, but, but more than the entrepreneurship, it was the personal development that kind of came with that, that I got very fascinated with. For the, for the first part of my entrepreneurial career, it was a, a lot more in the personal mm -hmm. development space. Um, um, but that was, yeah, that's kind of how the start happened. And and the, the, back then it was really... I see my dad work a career career job, kind of, you know, start work at nine, come back at five thirty, day in day out, um, you know, and and he he handled it well, but I could definitely tell it wasn't. I could definitely tell it wasn't as fulfilling as maybe he wanted it to be, mm -hmm. um, and so I thought, wow, I, I can achieve in three four years what he you know uh, hasn't done in his lifetime, and I got that wrong too, right? Because uh, it, it, it it entrepreneurship is is it's a choice we make. But I don't believe everybody's ready to do it the right way, which is why the work you know that that you do also is so essential in terms of bringing information and just the the, the information you bring, um, in terms of the challenges that entrepreneurs go through, um, because sometimes it is easy for people to stay in a job and just be told what to do, because honestly a lot of entrepreneurs are not very good at telling themselves what to do or at least staying on the right track. Right. I think that's why they answer their email first thing. It's like, hey, what do I have to do today? Who thinks I'm important? <laughs> it's like, yeah, stop that. <laughs> awesome. Michelle, you have been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. I know how valuable it is. Any last words for our peeps? Yeah. Some you know, people often ask me, like, um, you know, what's the number one thing I should delegate? And it took me many, many years to even come up with an answer for this. And it's this it's delegate. The management of your time is one thing to be delegating things to other people 
but what is it we should be doing entrepreneurs on a day-to-day basis and how disciplined are we with ourselves right um and it's very easy to kind of get annoyed at a va if they don't perform the right way but god imagine if the va was monitoring what we are meant to be doing on a day-to-day basis Imagine if a VA was helping us prioritize what task we should be doing this next seven days. Um, imagine if a VA was then checking in with us, say, hey, Michelle, did you do those three things that you committed to doing um, yesterday for today? And then you have to say, well, actually, I didn't, right? I, 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 I got sidetracked. All of a sudden, I had to go grocery shopping, whatever it was. So what I've come up with is basically a way for VAs to actually help us stay on track and do the right thing. That's what I'll leave you with. I love that. So make sure you get a hold of Michelle and get that download because God knows you need it. Awesome. Thank you so much again for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. I appreciate having you here today as well. So be sure to join the Facebook group and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Awesome. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.